You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. I'm David Ramil, the host of Locked On Heat, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Please make sure to follow the show if you haven't already, wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest episodes. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Special show for you today. I've got, uh, well, maybe Miami Heat fans, number one most wanted right now. It's Ty Windish, the host of the Eurostep, a great friend of the podcast. I haven't spoken to him since unfor- Miami's unfortunate playoff run last year, but uh, Ty was kind enough to jump on the show because, well, we were, you know, he, he spoke about the Southeast Division, uh, what he refers to as the Southeast Division uh, in his podcast, and he was previewing the Miami Heat season, and he had some rather strong takes about the Miami Heat, and I wanted to give him the opportunity to go into those a little bit further. So first and foremost, Ty, how are you doing, sir? I'm great. You know, my uh, my mentions were, were on a, a literal sun level of, I guess, heat level of fire. The suns are a different fan base I've had to contest with. But <laughs> um, aside from that, uh, I'm quite good and I'm excited to speak more at length about the heat. I think, you know, doing these division previews and trying to speak briefly about each team means you could end up, uh, I, don't know, I won't say out of context. I am admittedly low on the heat this year, but I do think I'm glad to get the chance to expound on some of my thoughts and reasons behind that. Look, I, I, I will say first and foremost, not to give you, not to let you completely off the hook, but yeah. uh, you know, on a national podcast of my own, I know that it's very, very difficult to understand the nuances of 30 teams around the NBA. It's just impossible. Like I, I national, national media members will cop to this all the time. They'll say, look, we don't, we can't possibly watch enough games. You get a guy like Zach Lowe, who maybe is, the the 0.001% of media members that can watch as much basketball as he does and tries to watch all 30 teams at some point to understand those nuances. And even then it's next to impossible. There are just things that you're bound to miss. Having said that, man, that division, the preview was, uh, well, it was interesting and and I'll get into it. Look, I'll, I'll let you off the hook again by saying this first and foremost, you already copped to it. You already said that it was a, a, an error on your part. You talked about Kyle Lowry's age. Yeah. Okay, he said he was 37 years old. He's not quite 37 years old. You were talking about the end of his contract because he just signed a three-year deal. He is 35 and change, uh, uh, older than Goran Dragic. And a lot of people thought that that was like a significant upgrade in in terms of age, but he's actually a little bit older than Goran. Um, So it's not quite as much of an upgrade as you might think. But uh, you, you already explained yourself. It's no big deal. But you have concerns about Kyle Lowry's age uh, and being impactful this season because I know a lot of Heat fans are really optimistic about what he can do with the team. Yeah, I mean, I, I still think he's going to be quite good. Um, I don't think he's going to stink by any means. Now, I do, looking at it now, the win projection, which I know is something I think maybe the most offense to outside of just getting Lowry's age wrong. And like you said, just totally a, a screw up on my part there. Thinking No big deal. Him. That happens. Um, but I can't, I can't tell you, Giannis is what, 27? Uh, he turns 27 in December. Okay. So, um, but yeah, so see, it happens, but, um, I, I just think Lowry dealt with some more injuries, uh, last season, which I think he had played a, a, a pretty good amount of the, the Raptors games in a couple of years before that. But the book on him pre Raptors title was a guy who struggled to stay healthy. And I think a, a small ish point guard, obviously, you know, not not thin by any means. I think we all are aware of of Lowry's uh, 
circumference, shall we say? But, but he's not. He's, but you see, I, I'm curious to get into that because, like, like I had this debate yesterday on my show because I, I think it's like being overstated. Like this guy's in NBA shape. I, I'm, he's certainly oh, no, not no, pudgy. No, 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 I'm not saying no, no, not pudgy. I meant his butt. I'm, I was. Yeah, no, yeah, he's, he's got a big ass. That's all right. I mean, yeah, that's yeah, just I how mean, he's built. Not, it's not a negative. It's not a negative. I was saying just to clarify, like I'm saying he's not tall when I say undersized. It's not okay. that he's weak, or it's not. A, that's not a negative. That I'm just. But he, but I think in general, I mean, Chris Paul's of the world aside, you know, smaller guards can have a hard time if you lose a little bit of athleticism. I just think it's harder to maintain that elite level of production that we've seen from Lowry. Mm -hmm. And certainly with the, the example Chris Paul is setting, it is possible. And I mean, 17 and seven last year for Lowry on good shooting numbers in yeah. the 46 games he did play. It's not that he's he's completely gone and he's a shell of himself, which I think... You know, there were some concerns that, I mean, I think the guy you mentioned earlier, Dragic, where you just kind of saw the effectiveness just kind of comes and goes more often. I don't even know sure. if Lowry's there yet, but it's possible. My, my One of my whole things with the Heat and why I'm just generally low on them hmm. is I just think it's certainly possible they get through this season and everyone still looks great and is healthy and they all have to do a little bit less because there's more overall top-end talent, especially if, Oladipo can can get himself together and get and stay healthy. But I just think there's a lot of variables to where if Lowry does start to show his age a little bit, if Oladipo does struggle to, to stay on the court or get back to his former self a little bit more, I think there is a scenario where they don't win as many games. I don't think they're going to prioritize winning regular season games, which is a lot of where my low win total for them came from. Uh, and just a reminder, I don't know if I mentioned it before, Thir 43 is yeah. what you said and, and your co-host Ron 41 so neither of you particularly optimistic about Miami's chances so uh you know that, that's as far as the Lowry thing is concerned I don't know I think a lot of Heat fans are also expecting that he'll be somehow transformed into world-class shape or something like that and culture part, baby yeah well we'll get into that because you had some scathing takes on that too I I look I I understand more than anybody else, you know, covering the team for as long as I have. I know that it is really cliche and it is nice marketing and everything else like that. But, well, let's just get into it. He culture, like, you have to admit it works, right? I, is it what pisses you off about the term he culture being thrown around the way it does? That it's just so cliche or that it's just overstated or what is it? Because I'm curious from the outsider's perspective why the, the term he culture just riles everybody up. I think it's probably just the the frequency and, you know, the like there's a lot of buy-in to it, I think, within the organization and the players and, and certainly, you know, someone like like Pat Riley, who is, I guess you could say the founder or the originator of, of the idea. I would think maybe I'm wrong. You could correct me. Maybe no, he's right. No, you're right. Okay. I mean, he, he, when he joined the team in 95, they were, you know, this is, this is not a very new team or a, a yeah. very old team, rather. They started in 89. Six years, they were kind of just ambling around. A couple playoff appearances, mostly getting spanked by the Jordan-led Bulls, uh, so they weren't particularly good or anything like that. But then, you know, Pat comes in '95 and immediately changes the culture, trades for Alonzo Mourning, and from that point forward, Heat fans have always identified this team as a defensive-minded, you know, rugged team that really you know, gritty and all that kind of crap. So I understand why that's hard to separate from the identity. And then the term Heat culture just kind of started developing and look they've they've leaned into it a hundred percent but but players cop to it you know players oh, yeah. talk about this all the time about there being a different culture and what i've tried to explain just now that you're here on the show is that there really isn't any kind of 
incredible work ethic here in Miami that you won't find on 29 other teams, but it, there's just a level of accountability and consistency that you won't find anywhere else. Consider the fact that Pat Riley's still with the team and that, you know, during the 26 years that he's been here, there've been three head coaches, you know, Spo, Riley and Stan Van Gundy for, you know, two, you know, two years, basically. So that kind of consistency really is partly why heat culture is as effective as it is and that accountability that seems to be implemented regularly whether you're a first year player whether you're on a two-day whether you're a 15-year veteran or whatever you're held to that same kind of standard and i think that's what works yeah listen i i definitely think it comes it's a real thing at its core i think it's fun for myself and, and rohan and others to poke fun at sometimes because as with every notion of every team within the twitter fans or whatever it's like becomes this all powerful force that, you know, any anyone who's drafted, anyone who signs there, like, oh, career year coming up, heat culture. Victor Oladipo's playing 82 games. He's miraculously recovering in the <laughs> best shape of his life and everything else. I think it's a real thing. I think it's a well-run franchise. I do think, and I've talked about this before, instead of referring to the bubble as a fluke, which I don't think is fair to do. Uh-oh, there we go. I do th- I'm not calling it a fluke. I do think, though, the heat culture, the real life part of heat culture meant that the heat were particularly suited for this environment of like, hundred percent much to do except work out. They stayed in shape the whole time. They worked yep. out together virtually. Like, I think that is that that's a manifestation. I think the clearest manifestation of what heat culture really is. I think a lot of teams struggled. I think Miami didn't because of that buy-in and that actual culture. So I think it's real, but I also think it's fun to poke fun at, especially when, you know, you just see it every, every all over. And Hey, listen, it's, it's a good thing for the team to have, but of course, you know, any, anything that's that defining is going to get, I think, poked fun at. All right. I I can still hear the jealousy coming through hundred percent, but that's okay. (laughs) So if you ever wanted just a a snack to indulge in, but you, you know, kind of feel a little guilty, about getting a candy bar, maybe some ice cream or something like that, but you still need something sweet, then let me tell you, you should probably be reaching for Bilt Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. They're soft and easy to chew, 100% covered in chocolate. You don't even know you're eating a protein bar, but they've given you all the ingredients that you might want, all the nutrients that you might be looking for in a protein bar without sacrificing any of the taste. They're just, they're the best. And so many different flavors to choose from. You can get a mixed box where you get two of each of the flavors. You can just get a full box of your favorites, whether it's salted caramel or strawberry or cookies and cream. So many great ones. Again, 100% covered in chocolate, soft and easy to chew and completely delicious. If you go to built.com right now and use the promo code LOCKED15, you get 15% off your order. So use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off, but only if you go to built.com. couple of other points that you brought up during your preview here uh i don't know a finished third not in the conference but in the division that was your take that they might finish third behind the no, charlotte hornets say might might is important here might sure yeah but just looking at this I'm, I, first of all I, i'm a little lower on the atlanta hawks and i i you know speak this way as a you know somebody who covers a team that went on this improbable run in the finals a couple of years ago it's not that I can't see Atlanta matching their level of success from last year, but I also think it's going to be a little bit more difficult that they were the beneficiaries of some, you know, some things breaking right for them. They face a, a pretty weak Knicks team, in my opinion. 
Uh, they were able to take advantage of a dysfunctional Philadelphia team also. So I think that certainly played a hand in their run to the Eastern Conference Finals. Not to necessarily take everything away from what the Hawks were able to accomplish, but I also I, I can't pencil them in right away as the top of the division. And I certainly don't think the Charlotte Hornets are better than the Miami Heat. So I'm, I'm curious what your take on that is. Yeah, so I think one of the important things, I don't think we got to this in the pod at all because the slander was more fun. Yes. I don't I don't think that the Heat have the third highest playoff ceiling in the division. Like this is strictly regular season win totals that we were talking about, which does not necessarily reflect what teams are best in the playoffs. So I think the Hawks will win the most games in the division because they're young and they're just really ridiculously deep and mm-hmm. they're good and they're building on momentum. And I just think the depth they have of legitimate two-way players means that they'll be able to run off a good amount of wins. And I just I, I'm, I don't think they're going to go to the conference finals again, for sure. But I do think they're going to win a good amount of games. I think the Hornets are a younger team. And like we mentioned on the pod, if it, it all depends, like, can Hayward stay healthy? Really? Like if yeah. Hayward's banged up, like if you assume the same negative injury for Charlotte that we are from Miami in this circumstance, then Miami probably finishes higher. It's more if the Hornets, it's really just um, Hayward with them, but you know, and I guess LaMelo got banged up toward the end of the season, too. He did. He ended up getting back. But I, I think a younger team like that has is just going to tackle the regular season with a little bit more fervor. Like, they're they're not – this isn't a team that's been to the playoffs a bunch. And, they, you know, I don't think the Hornets have 16-game goals. I think they have 82-game goals, whereas the Heat, who, you know, despite how good they've been, especially, you know, that 19 or that 20 playoff run um, over the past few years – not a team that's really crushed it in regular season wins over the last, really since LeBron departed. And I think part of that is they've had a lot of weird seasons. They've had a lot of, you know, half good, half bad regular seasons. But I think part of the reason for all of that in in total is I don't think this is a team that thinks all that hard about, oh, we need to finish third. We have to get this many wins. Like I think part of the heat culture thing is very much focusing on the playoffs. And I mean, signing someone like PJ Tucker, who for the Bucks in the regular season didn't really add anything, but in the playoffs was completely indispensable. And I would assume it'll be the same deal with Miami in terms of, you know, he's not going to be, you know, really asked to play a lot of minutes or a huge role most nights in the regular season, but that's a playoff signing. I think that's the heat gold. And I think with Jimmy banged up last year, with Lowry banged up last year, Oladipo, of course, I think the Heat are very much not going to push it, not going to try and grind out 49 wins. I expect them to take it a little easier, and I think some nights that costs you. And the other part that I think was left out of, you know, the win total uproar was people saying, oh, you think they're going to be worse, even though they added Lowry. Not even necessarily, but I do think the rest of the East is a lot better. I think the below Milwaukee, Brooklyn tier of the East Suddenly there's a lot of teams. I, I think, you know, they're not all going to be good, of course, but I do think there's less easy wins in the conference now than last year. It's pretty much looking like just Orlando, maybe Cleveland. Suddenly Darius Garland has star buzz. We'll see about that. But yeah, you know, Orlando and, and Detroit's probably bad, but I mean, yeah. Jeremy Grant's pretty good. Let's We'll see what Cade comes in looking like. There might just be one cupcake team in, in the fellow Florida uh, Orlando. <laughs> So I think that also played a big role in, in being lower on the wins and just thinking, you know, if they're not going full bore every night, they might lose to the Chicago's of the world here and there. They 
you know, this team over the last few years has always shown uh, incredible lapses on occasion where they do they do drop some really you know, winnable games. They, they've lost a bunch to Orlando when they've been you know basically rebuilding for the last decade. Uh, they've lost to a number of teams like that over over the, the last few seasons, just regardless of who was on the roster, whether it was Jimmy Butler or Dwayne Wade or anybody else. They just always seem to find a way to to kind of crap the bed a little bit. But I, I'm going to balk a little bit. I'm partly partly my reasoning for having you on the show is to, to help educate, because while that might not necessarily be my role here, uh, I, I think partly why Miami has struggled in the regular season over the last few years. Yes, the departure of LeBron certainly changed things a little bit. But we kind of we can't overlook how badly Chris Bosch's injuries changed the dynamic of this team. There were two seasons there where they were counting on CB and he just wasn't available for the second half of the season following the All-Star break. And so that really changed the course of this franchise in, invariably. In 2016, Dwayne leaves. And then, of course, you have the 11 and 30 run matched by the 30 and 11 run. And then you're kind of retooling from that point forward. So it's. They finished third in the conference in 2015-16, so I have to do I do have to balk on that a little bit because I think that uh, they have had some quote unquote regular season success. It's not like they're a regular season juggernaut. And to your point, I think you're right. They 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 would much rather they don't care about seeding. They never have. Even when the big three was here, they never cared about seeding. LeBron was pretty open about that. That didn't matter if they were their first seed. When Chicago was a first seed, it didn't matter. They went out and beat them anyway. Uh, they just they want to be able to focus on playoff success more than anything else. So I, I understand that. I also, like I said, there has to be some kind of, uh, you know, some way of categorizing Miami's lack of regular season success, too. And I think, oh, yeah, I, I don't think it's a failing on their part. And as you mentioned, the Bosch thing, I think, is instructive. I think that does get left off when people talk about, you know, the most aimless heat years that in recent memory, for sure, that there was a big reason that wasn't really controllable by by the heat in that happening. I agree. Um, and I, I it's it's not enti- it's not like a, a black mark on the heat that they're not grinding for regular season wins, I don't think. But it's just a, a reality that I factored when, you know, making the old win projection. I will say though that they they never really give up on games. I they, yeah. you know, Spolstra for better or for worse, is just a guy who always is going to try to push his team as much as he possibly can, and I think that's hurt him to some extent. It certainly has with nagging injuries over the last few seasons. Uh, I think, at least that's my opinion. Um, I I think that he's rushed some guys out there in ways that he probably should not have, and I think that's going to be the case this year. I I don't think they're going to take it easy, even with older players like Lowry and others. I think they're going to still continue to push that envelope during the regular season, so I, I don't think He's not a big load maintenance kind of guy or anything like that. So I, to me, they may not win 50 games, but they're going to try their hardest on a nightly basis. I, just, I don't think they're just going to sit guys regardless of their veteran status. So, you know, you hope that Kyle Lowry doesn't get injured or that Oladipo, once he comes back, if he comes back, you know, stays healthy. And Jimmy, look, Jimmy's had nagging injuries over the last few seasons too. So I, I think you just, you try to find a way to give them rest when you can, but overall you're still going to go put them out there and, give them a chance to compete on a nightly basis. And look, you know, Miami, like most teams will say next man up and they'll just focus on trying to find a way to win regardless of who's out there. But uh, yeah, you did have some particularly juicy comments about Jimmy Butler. So let's move on there. Uh, Look, I I mean, I know you brought up, but we were talking before we started recording that you weren't just looking at the four game sample size against the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, First and foremost, also, I should add, 
and now we're 20 minutes into the podcast already congratulations to your books of their championship uh that that, that pains me to say but I, I you know i i you know i i understand that they they had a great run they had a great season uh they've been building this point for a long time and i'm actually I'm not quite ready to pencil Brooklyn in at the top of the Eastern Conference. Mm. I think Milwaukee has another run in there too. So that's uh, I'll, I'll put that out there. Um, how, how have you been enjoying the championship success? You're probably gloating a little bit right now. Yeah. Oh, uh, certainly. I mean, uh, for Bucks, first one in 50 years, which you know the the here, Heat fans have been have been uh, gleefully pointing out to me. You know, not not aware of what this is like. No, act like you've been there before, et cetera, et cetera. We haven't. So, um, but certainly enjoying it. I think anytime you can get a championship in the NBA, which you know, the last several years here has been so competitive with so much star power, it's, it's worth celebrating and certainly would love to add another, you know, one, two more in the honest era, so to speak for the bucks, but going to enjoy this one forever. But I am excited about the Jimmy Butler conversation. And speaking of the Nets, I mean, we both have to contend with the evil empire now. So at least the, the fun thing is like the Bucks don't even, it seems like have a target on their back. Everyone's just talking about how the Nets and Lakers are title favorites already. So that's a fun kind of unusual quirk for a team with a 26 year old finals MVP that just won it all. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, speaking from my own personal experience, like Dwayne in 2006, uh, even younger than Giannis, and still, uh, <laughs> you know, the next year they were not particularly good. And maybe that's because they had aging players around Dwayne Wade also. But nothing's a guarantee. I think that's no. the big point when it comes to the NBA playoffs. It just seems like it's much more apparent now, even as other teams. I think there's like a, a wider talent disparity around the league, not necessarily parity. But there also feels like there's like five, six teams that could really contend if things break right, maybe even more if you really think about them. And you mentioned Philadelphia. It's easy to dismiss them because they're going through their whole public drama, but they still have two strong all-star candidates on that roster and a well-built team around them. It's just, you know, they've got other issues. And so that kind of makes them more into a pretender rather than a contender. Uh, Miami, in my opinion, I, I think if things break right and a lot has to break right, they can be a very good team. And I think that's how they're kind of built is with that mentality in mind that, you know, a Chris Middleton injury or a James Harden injury away. And all of a sudden Miami has a much clearer path to the top of the Eastern conference. So I, I think that's, that's kind of how that team is focused on next season. But uh, to your point, yeah, Brooklyn, Brooklyn can't be penciled in there. Like we saw that last year, there's, there's going to be some kind of dysfunction there. And right now we're even hearing, that Kyrie Irving refuses to potentially to be vaccinated. And so if that's the case, he's not going to play either. I think that's going to be an ongoing issue throughout the course of the regular season. That's going to be really, really sticky around the NBA because it's like I, I, you get into legal issues, you get into morals and ethics and things of that sort. And I, I don't want to get into into this podcast, but man, that's yeah. it's going to weigh down a lot. It's like, it, it, like last year was a, a drag in so many ways. This is going to be really bad too if you're, you're starting to hold players to these standards and they refuse to comply with what they should be doing for the sake of everybody's health and benefits but anyway if you need to buy parts for your car or truck then let me tell you the best answer for you is a family-owned business that's been serving customers online for 20 years that's rockauto.com you could go to a traditional chain storefront you could ask them to find the parts that they might happen to carry in their warehouse they'll have to look them up on their computer 
Why bother going through all that process when you've got access to computers at home or in your pocket, which means you can get to rockauto.com and use their easy-to-navigate website. Just a few easy clicks, and you get all the parts you need at a great discounted price. You can save money, find everything that you're looking for without having to go anywhere or hassle yourself or go through any kind of process like that. It's just so much easier to go to rockauto.com. I've tried it. I've used it. Saved me money. Got the parts I needed. Was able to make a change to my wife's car without any kind of hassle whatsoever. And it saved me hundreds of dollars. I am not a do-it-yourselfer, but I did it myself. And it was easy to do so with rockauto.com. So if you go right now and find all the parts that you need for your car or truck, then go to the section that says, how did you hear about us? And write the phrase locked on so they know we sent you. That's amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. And we're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back to start another football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season with a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests. BetOnline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up to today and receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use the promo code NFL100. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts, and don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON. Betting on the NBA doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling, get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get podcasts. Here is the last part of my conversation with Ty Windish as we look at Miami's offseason and whether or not Ty might be changing his perspective from his rather low win total expectations. Let's go on to Jimmy Butler. Let's yeah, talk yeah, about yeah, somebody. Yeah. Yeah, let's, yeah. let's move on. So, Jimmy, uh, you've got concerns. Uh, I, I think they're a little overstated. Uh, I think if you look at the fact that look, he missed a, a ton of games last year, mostly because of COVID, uh, he also missed some games due to nagging injury. But while he was out there, he was spearheading one of the top defenses in the league, at least during those stretches when he was available and healthy. He was playing at a near MVP level, at least top five-ish. You know, I think uh, the the hashtag Jim VP was probably taking it a little bit too far, but that's not to say that he wasn't really good. And I think his numbers bear that out. I mean, you look at his two-way impact. Uh, I know you, you're you familiar with a two-way level MVP in, in Milwaukee as well, but Jimmy played extremely well. Just not that same kind of score. Uh, I think he's just not going to be that kind of ball-dominant player, but very, very good. But you still have concerns. Even having said all that, you have concerns that maybe we're going to start to see Jimmy start to degrade over the next couple of seasons? That to a degree, but more so, I think the 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 misunderstanding, slight misunderstanding, I mean, it wasn't that far off, but basically my comments were like, he hasn't been that guy. And everyone assumed I meant, just watching the the Milwaukee Miami series, the, the the good one from my perspective, where it gets outscored by Bryn Forbes and everything else. I, I, I don't know when that, I don't know where you're talking about. That never happened. 
Um, of course, bad circumstances, the opposite of the bubble. This was bad circumstances for the Heat. They were banged up. The supporting cast clearly wasn't up to par. And Milwaukee's defense, I think, was very well suited to contend with that Heat team because they were switching a little more, but still still certainly very comfortable in that drop. And against Jimmy and Bam, without those other offensive initiators, it was very easy to drop and make it hard for Jimmy. But so when I say he hasn't looked like that guy, I was referring to the Jimmy Butler who was going toe-to-toe with LeBron in the finals, who did look like that ball-dominant scorer initiator. And certainly he was very good at great in the regular season last year. But I just think there is a big difference between the guy who is a great defender. I think he had one of the best seasons ever, according to uh, like win shares per 48, um, whatever that's worth to people. But <laughs> 21, seven and seven, which again is, it, he wasn't an all-star for whatever reason, but an all-star caliber season, you know, in that finals, 26, eight rebounds, 10 assists, and basically as many steals. So doing it on both ends still, but also, more of a Kawhi Leonard type impact on offense. That's what I was referring to. And you can say that's an unrealistic standard for Jimmy Butler, and that's fine. It's not a knock, I think, to say you're only, a, you know, a, an all-star slash all-NBA caliber player, not a a true MVP who's also providing that closer to 30 than 20 points per game. It is an incredibly lofty standard that very few players in the league can match. But I just think that's the level that he's probably going to have to be at for the Heat to win a championship with with Lowry and Bam, unless Bam takes a, a big, a significant step forward, which maybe that happens. That was my one positive Heat note, is that I think their biggest upside play is everyone is largely healthy, and Bam gets you know a step better, whatever that means for him. I don't exactly know, but certainly uh, their, their youngest, best player, the combination of those two things. Um, which I think is possible, but I just, I think Jimmy, if, if he's, you know, that the, the Jimmy we've seen in the past, like Philly, Jimmy, most of the Miami tenure, Jimmy outside of both playoff runs, the really good and the really bad, I think the heat will be good, but I don't think that's quite a contending level team with Jimmy Lowry and bam. When you look at the other teams in the East, I know you mentioned sometimes you just need something to break and, and sure that I think that's, that's fair as well, but that was more what I meant with has not been that same guy. Yeah, I, I guess I uh, I don't know. It just seems like Jimmy's just not always going to be. I, I don't know. I, I I had different expectations for his playoff performance. Obviously, I mean, I went on the show and talked to you about it, and uh, I know I I looked foolish afterwards because I did I did think that Miami had another level to to reach, and they just couldn't. And I don't know if that was just because they were depending on Goran Dragic to be the spark that he had been. The previous year in the bubble, I don't know if they just couldn't get any kind of production outside of anyone and that you know put a lot of pressure, made it very difficult for Jimmy to get shots. And even in the games themselves, I mean, just thinking back about it now, I haven't really thought about that series for obvious reasons, but looking back at it now, like there were moments there where Jimmy just missed really makeable shots from him. Uh, at least that's my recollection. There, there were just shots in the paint, shots at the rim, mid-range, mid-range shots that he certainly could have knocked down. And then just those did not fall for a number of reasons, not to take away necessarily anything from Milwaukee's defensive abilities, but Miami just, just, they look bad out there. And I don't know if it was just the exhaustion of the, the long season and everything else. And of course the short turnaround between the year before, and you, know, you have to look at the Lakers falling apart too, in the first round, maybe not to the same level that Miami did, but uh, yeah, the, the sweep looks bad for Miami's sake, but for, for Jimmy, I just, 
I don't know what he's capable of next year. I, I my feeling again was it was kind of getting to before is that he's always to me shown that ability to be very. Yeah, this sounds like I'm overstating things completely, but he's LeBron like and that that he has the ability to kind of gauge, take a sense of what the game requires of him and kind of just turn it on in moments when it's necessary for him to do so. Uh, not to that same kind of level of potency, obviously, but he's mostly been focused on getting other guys going, getting Tyler here, getting Goron, get Onion, uh, whoever, whoever shares of Kendrick Nunn over the last couple of seasons, et cetera, you know, making sure that Duncan gets his shots. And then when it's required of him to take his scoring up to another level, that's where he kind of engages to that, to that point. And he just couldn't against Milwaukee. I don't know if that's because nobody else was scoring either. And then they were just able to, to shut him down pretty effectively, they being Milwaukee, of course. And and looking at this next season, that's where I kind of have a difference of opinion, though. I think that that's where Kyle Lowry really benefits things. He allows Jimmy to to play differently than he has over the last couple of years because he's another guy who can really take it up a notch. You can really ignite on offense. And, and maybe he's not going to have a 50-point game or anything like that, but between the balance that he, Jimmy, and Bam will create that makes them so much easier for all three of those guys, and it makes it easier for whoever shares the floor with them. I expect Duncan Robinson to get more wide open looks, and that's you know that certainly could be a threat to any other team when Duncan's able to shoot the way he does. Uh, you know, I, I I have high expectations for this team. I can understand why you might not, based on on things that we've seen in the past from Jimmy and everything else like that. But I, I think he's just a guy who who can thrive under the right circumstances. I still think that there's another potential for him to reach even greater heights than he has already. I I, th- I don't think he's going to start to slip just yet. I think the full offseason is certainly going to benefit him. I think he's just a guy who who just pushed himself the way he did in the NBA Finals and then have to deal with COVID midseason. Like, the, you know, Boston Celtics fans were making excuses for Jason Tatum. Not excuses. I feel bad using that terminology, but just you, using that as a reason why he struggled as often as he did. And we kind of overlooked the fact that Jimmy lost like 15 pounds, even though his agent and Jimmy kind of flatly denied it. You could see he does not, he did not look like the Jimmy Butler of old. Uh, and then he still wind up, you know, overperforming, I think, during the regular season and then struggling in the playoffs. So I, I don't know. Like just I was just t- kind of taken aback because I feel like like most people kind of have hold Jimmy in high regard. And to hear you and Rohan talking about it. He's like some kind of scrub, you know, that he's just going to fall apart over the next season or two. I just can't believe it. No, I, I don't even think he's going to fall apart necessarily um, or, or that he's going to be unable to play an, an injury-free season. For me, it really is just you you could call it picking nits or, or really, you know, using a microscope. But I just think that the differentiation between those two levels is really important. And I thought in the regular season and in the playoffs, you mentioned, you know, look, missing shots that he's so used to taking. He just kind of refused, not refused necessarily. And it wasn't like a Ben Simmons situation. He probably still took more than Ben, but just decided to not really shoot threes anymore, which I thought was interesting because yep. earlier in his career was really good. And I know I just looked earlier, like his bubble numbers, I don't think were crazy, at least not in the finals, but was taking more at least. And I do think, you know, again, not equating their mentalities, I don't think they could be much farther apart, but just generally in the same way, it's easier to guard a guy like Simmons who just won't take them it did look easier for the Bucks to guard Jimmy, just really not worrying at all about him taking those shots. And I, I think that ended up translating and leaking a little bit into his mid-range shots that usually I think he makes at, at a strong clip and keeps defenses honest, even if he's not taking the threes. 
he just looked hesitant to shoot in general. So whether that was the conditioning as a result of, of the COVID or whatever, I mean, I, I saw like a, a shadow injury could have been holding him back also floated out there. I have no idea, of course, but whatever it was, I just think, and, and that, again, I don't just want to focus on four games, although I do think those games still count and that they were something, but not everything. But even in the regular season, it didn't seem like he really wanted to shoot anymore. I just I find it odd. And I think with Bam also not wanting to go out beyond three, it does just make it a little easier to guard the heat, especially when some other rotational pieces, whether it's PJ Tucker um, or who I'm forgetting now, I keep wanting to say like Ariza, but I know he's not there. anymore. No, it's Duncan, Rob- Duncan Robinson, PJ and Kyle Lowry round out that starting lineup. Yeah. So, I mean, Harold can shoot, of course, Markeith Morris. We'll see when he's, when he's in, but um, Oladipo, when he does get back, whether he's starting or not, has been kind of a shaky shooter uh, in the last few years too. So I do think the spacing, just regardless of talking about, you know, is, is Jimmy MVP or all NBA level, that that dif- distinction, I do think in general, the spacing, they're going to be really good on defense, Miami is. But I do think offensively, there might be some nights where it's a bit of a slog. All right. You're here. Talk to me about P.J. Tucker. What can Heat fans expect from him? Because already we're starting to see the possibility of Markeith Morris starting over P.J. And I'm not entirely opposed to the idea. I would probably prefer that if I was you. Yeah, I I don't know. I I just I'm curious. Like he was not always playable in the playoffs, which is funny because everybody keeps saying he's going to be a factor in the playoffs. It's like, uh, yeah, a negative one, I think. Uh, <laughs> so I, I don't, I don't know exactly, you know, kind of, I'm, I'm all in on the PJ thing. I love the, I love the, the dog mentality as you guys do as well. I think everybody loves PJ Tucker. You know, he's, he's fun to watch. He's a guy you root for. You hope that he succeeds, but let's be honest, he's probably not going to enjoy a great level of success, not individual one anyway. So kind of clue my fans in here or my listeners rather uh, as to what to expect uh, regarding PJ Tucker. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it. I will say I would have preferred the Bucks to bring him back. Of they course, could have done that with all their other moves and just released one of the you know guys that no one's really okay. Heard of did you want him person. back for for just good vibes, or did you want him back because he actually fit a role in that team? Um, a little bit of both. I, I mean, I think. Listen, he did Yeoman's work guarding Durant. That was the one part of the playoffs where he was truly indispensable, and you could say you know, through the the semis, the semifinals and the finals, he was too. And that's true in the sense of the Bucks just didn't have bodies losing Dante DiVincenzo and, you know, Teague not being a factor, Forbes not no longer being a factor and all that. They just needed bodies and, and PJ was proven. He was certainly less effective not having a, a, a ridiculous matchup like that. So I will say the one series I would have liked to have him in was if the Bucks do meet Brooklyn again, he was useful and clearly He's not a Durant stopper. No one is a Durant stopper. Yeah. I mean, KD is still putting like 50, 10, and 10 on him, but he made him work for it. I mean, Durant looked exhausted by the end of the series and airballs the last shot that, that could have put the Bucks out of it and, of course, foot on the line for the other one. Uh, but that one went in, so there wasn't much impact there. But right. um, but I, I think he's useful to, to throw at um, opposing scorers. I mean, I, I think I'm already cringing for the first time he guards Giannis and, you know, makes him miss or steals from him, which I'm sure will happen at some point, I would imagine. But outside of that and, you know, some good offensive rebounding, the corner three just wasn't there. We'll see if that comes back for him. It was not there for the Bucks at all. So he was really a rebounder and, and a defensive piece. I would equate him roughly probably to about what you got from Iguodala last year. 
Oh, um, uh, please yeah. no, please no. That that's that was that's rough. I mean, Iguodala, a great teammate, great presence in the locker room and everything else. But man, that was a, a struggle to watch him out there missing well, everything. To be honest with you, yeah. so is, is it age as just the toll of being undersized and playing center for the last six years? Has that really just taken him out of contention there as a as a valuable rotation piece? I think probably, I mean, it's so weird with shooting, right? Like, I think it's hard to ascribe it to anything, but clearly like the corner threes, that was his thing on offense, some offensive rebounding and the, the being able to hit those corner threes, certainly in Houston, maybe it was just a bad shooting year. Maybe not, but you know, as he, as you know, talk about however old Lowry is, I, I don't think it's an error when I say PJ is 37, 38 years old. Or maybe he's actually 36. Maybe it is an error, but well, um, it's just you know, he, he spent so many time so many years in, yeah, in Europe, right? So he kind of overlooked miles on him. Yeah, maybe, but I mean he's still older. There's no denying yeah. that. Um, so I, I think I, I don't think I wouldn't want him to slot in as he is 36. So I did I did overstate his age too, but um I, I would not think he would slot in as a starter, especially on this team. I mean, it was kind of the same with the Bucks in terms of Giannis and Lopez aren't ideal floor spacers. I would think Considering the Heat have so many strong positional defenders already, I think you'd rather have Morris and or someone who can space the floor a little bit more than PJ. Like, I don't think the defense would help offset the further spacing concerns. I mean, I think lineups with him, Jimmy and Bam, it's going to be kind of tough work to to get offenses going because, I mean, teams will let PJ shoot. Maybe not as much in the regular season when you know the game plan isn't so hyper focused, but yeah. in the playoffs, I mean, he would just get abandoned a lot of the time, and it's it's a little tough to see when the the threes aren't falling for him. But he he did he, he contributed positively. He started for the Bucks on a championship team. He's certainly useful, but I think primarily it's like guarding big dynamic wings and not usually doing a whole lot else. Yeah, I, I'm kind of I'm kind of curious to see how that works out. Like, like you know, the expectation is that they've built this roster, and and you know, I don't think it's unfair to say that part of the reason why they did this was because PJ brings a championship mentality. I mean, he adds a dimension to this team that was missing. There, the only other you know veteran on this team that had championship experience prior to this season was Udonis Haslam. Of course, he's no longer playing. So you bring in a guy like Markeith, who had championship experience with the Lakers. You know, Kyle Lowry, obviously one with the Raptors. And now all of a sudden you've got the three most recent champions added to this roster. I think they're trying to just add a psychological element that might have been missing before. So, I mean, look, again, I, I, I like the addition just from that perspective because PJ's a good guy to have in that locker room. Uh, you, you had him one on that roster since, what, February? When was he acquired at the trade deadline? Yeah, well, I don't know if it was because this last year, all the times were messed up, but when, yeah, whenever, right before the deadline and he yeah. didn't really, he came in hurt basically. And the Bucks just sat him down. So he only played, you know, a few games in the regular season, didn't really play in the first round. So we only really saw him for three rounds of playoff basketball and it was enough to love him. And I will, the mentality thing, I think with PJ adding him and drew did a lot for the Bucks. the Good explaining point. the dog things. And I do think, you know, encouraging switching and, and being more vocal and aggressive. I there's something to that. That's not nothing, and it's it's worth having. I just think fit wise on the Heat, I, I don't think he's a great option with some of their primary players. But I, I think he's helpful. And like I said, I'd rather have him than not have him. But especially when he goes to Miami, I was like, I go to the West, go somewhere else, man. But <laughs> oh well. Yeah, no, I can understand that. Uh, well, you still got Bobby Portis, I guess. Uh, you know, another guy that apparently had been offered a contract 
by the heat, which is somewhat inexplicable to me. I don't know. He's your problem now, I guess. Although I know he's beloved in Milwaukee. Oh, yeah. Right? We're, we're thrilled to have him. That's that's the future right there, the underdog. <laughs> the future is Bobby Portis. Huh? You're going to have to explain that one to me. I don't get that. Um, well, he is a honest aged player who was willing to take less money and stick around. And I, I will say, I really like... I'm captivated by the front court pairing of Heat and Giannis. I think now that Giannis is leaning more into playing like a, a center, which I think was what swung the Bucks playoff run entirely. And it didn't really start until the Brooklyn series. But um, I, I think Portis provides some really nice spacing for that without giving up size. And the Bucks love being big and, and dominating the boards and everything else. So I think, you know, down the road when, when Lopez is, is not the playing or the starter anymore or on the team anymore, I do think the the modern or front court of Portis Giannis is something they're intrigued by because I know he he can't drop Portis. He can't play that kind of center defense, but switching, he's not so bad. And I think offensively, he makes up for what he gives up there. Well, I, I will say that uh, Alphonse Sidney of fellow Blue Wire podcast, the Miami Heat Beat, uh, referred to Bobby Portis as great value Kevin Garnett, and I think that kind of sticks. Uh, yeah, I'll take it. I mean, I don't even know if I would say that, but sure. Great value. That's that's the uh, that's the Walmart brand oh, that yeah. they have. I'm here. well aware, but the Kevin Garnett part is the part I like. If well, if, I, I think it's just a crazy, uh, crazy kind of uh, fake tough guy sort of thing. But I, who knows? I mean, oh, I like, in that sense, yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I like. I, I, you know, fans are always going to say things to disparage other players, but uh, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Portis, like I, I was when I heard that Miami had offered him a contract. I was scratching my head. I wasn't sure exactly why, but you know, they, again, he, he's Milwaukee's future, so that's all that really matters. Uh, look, I, I don't know if we've got any kind of clarity here. I tried to make my case for this team. I think yeah. that uh, a lot can break right. Have I swayed your perspective at all? Is Are you sticking to 43 wins, or do you think that there's any chance that they could potentially get any better? Because you were, by the end, I think you you were, I, you were willing to kind of hedge a little bit. Did you go down on Miami like to say maybe they would go to 41 wins rather than just 43, or am I misremembering things? I know that Rohan only thought 41 regular season wins. No, I thought I was I thought I was firmly on the the higher end than 41. I and listen, if they came out and won 47 games, would I be shocked? No, I wouldn't be shocked. And that's the thing. Like, I, I happen to be lower on them. I don't think I hate the Miami Heat. I mean, I'm certainly I'm not a Heat fan, um, but I'm I don't think I try to trash the Heat at every turn. Maybe I maybe I do, and I just don't think I do. Um, but I'm, I'm just lower uh, on the heat, I guess, than, than a lot. I think the, the spacing is an issue for me as well. Um, and oh, oh, uh, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm glad you brought that up. because oh, I Deadman, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, scathing hot take. Dwayne Deadman was their fourth best three-point shooter. Top uh, five. Top five. Top five. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, I Look, Lowry and Robinson, certainly. Marquis yeah, Morris to some easily. extent. PJ hey, Tucker bro. maybe gets. Uh, don't say. Don't say PJ. You don't want to, if you got to count PJ first, it shows the validity of the take. Well, hero, Harold Lowry, Morris, um, and Duncan, of course, are up there. And then I, I think, I think, I mean, I think Deadman has a case, which no, it's actually, it's actually Max Struess. Uh, oh, and it's is easy. That, is that a rotation guy? He is now. He is now. Okay. He's okay. been signed. He's been signed to a couple of years. And I think maybe if you look at Miami's depth issues, they have. They have hopes for him. I, I look, every every team has a guy, right? I don't I don't know if White Dante is Milwaukee's guy. I don't know if it's Pat, who's a running joke, even though he's a very good NBA player. I, I like there's 
there's always a guy on your roster that you kind of say, oh, you know, somewhat jokingly, he's going to make it. He's going to be the guy this year. For this season, it's Max Struz, uh, you know, a, a two-way guy before, kind of just trying to find his way in the league. Had big moments in summer league, but he got the contract now, and uh, they have expectations for him. He's a guy who can be a little athletic. He can get to the rim. He's certainly a really good shooter, very good shooter, and that's the hope is that he's going to be a guy who can kind of fill in for Duncan on occasion, and if Duncan gets into foul trouble, Struz is going to come right off the bench and be able to do a lot of what Duncan does, so I think that's the hope for him anyway. Yeah, I mean, just fresh off a series watching Deadman play some of the better ball that that the Heat mustered, and I think shot 33.3% from deep against the Bucks in the playoffs, and Strews shot 33.8% in the regular season last year. So I just think my guy Dwayne has a case. Can I not be a Dwayne Deadman fan anymore? I, I, I can't understand any reason why you would be a Dwayne Deadman fan. <laughs> I, I, I was like, surprised at his re-signing, to be honest with you. I just didn't think there was a clear role for him here. I, I, he's just... He seems like he's just a typical player in today's age. He's more of that big body that go out there and play more traditionally as far as the center position is concerned. Yes, he can stretch the floor, but he really didn't do it all that often last year. He just, I, I don't know if the mandate came from Spo or not, but he did not shoot the threes that I expected him to. So I'm curious to see how they incorporate that next season. If he if he's able to stretch the floor the way he did in Sacramento and Atlanta in particular, I don't know. Uh, you, you, you think Deadman can be, I mean, is it, I know it's somewhat tongue-in-cheek and everything else like that, but do you think Deadman can be an impact player? Um, I, I suppose it depends. I mean, I think the, the interesting thing about Bam to me is he is kind of – He's I, not going to shoot threes. You know, he's not going to shoot threes, no. but I just He can. Like, he can, but I'm just I'm dispelling that nation right now, mostly for my listeners' sake because everybody yeah, is yeah. like, he's going to be out there like Nikola Jokic. No, he's not. He's just – he's not that guy yet. I, I don't know why. Uh, he keeps he keeps alluding to Spo, you know, letting him go off the leash and things of that sort. I think it's just I think it's really just a confidence perspective from him. Uh, Chris Bosch told me so, and I think I'm going to stick with that. Yeah. So whenever you get that kind of perspective, a guy who had actually changed his game to stretch beyond the three point line, I think that you have to take that with more than just a grain of salt. So I, I think when it comes to Bam, it's not just about shooting the midi. He did that very effectively last year, but he just has to get to a point where he can just let it fly from three-point range, and he's not going to do that. So I don't know why. Yeah, but I, I think Deadman, the the only utility, I guess, is just having a true, like another big body back there. The thing with Bam is certainly can hold his own in the paint, and we saw, I mean, the, was it the block on Tatum in the yep. bubble? That was just outrageous. Oh, but... oh you're, you're forgetting the best defensive play in NBA history? Come on, I can't believe that. <laughs> You're just gonna overlook it. and we well, just the, we just we just went through the one year anniversary of that block on Tatum too. So well, the sun block has happened since. So, but oh. but Bam at at six foot nine, <laughs> I think still is a little a little height lacking. Although certainly he can he can defend the position quite well. But I think having some more size never hurts. Just as a different look for some teams, or or when Bam is out or or not on like on the bench during a game or whatever else. And you're you're kind of also glossing over. The future here in Miami, which is Omar Yurtsev, and uh, you know he's legitimate seven footer with three point shooting range. That guy's the that guy's the real deal too. At least a lot of Heat fans think so. I I, I joke, of course. Uh, he's bumping I, Deadman out to to sixth, then I guess. <laughs> like I don't know, man. I uh, I don't know the, the team. In my opinion, I'm going to stick to it, not as a fan or anything like that, but just a realistic belief that if things break right for this team. They can be very good. And yes, they're counting on that probably a lot more than they should. But I, I think you have to still look at their offseason. 
the fact that they got the biggest name in free agency oh, yeah. and a guy who can still play at a high level, I think will play. I also oh, I wanted to bring that up too, because you mentioned the injuries. I think he got shut down early last year. He did yeah, play a lot of games, but they were mostly tanking. So the, the whole Tampa thing threw everything off kilter for Toronto. And I, I don't think you can just look at that season uh, in a vacuum and, and use it to compare what version of Lowry we're going to get this year. I just, I think he's going to be, a markedly improved player from what we saw last season, which isn't saying much because he struggled last year for obvious reasons, but I think he's going to help. I think, you know, as much as he culture gets overstated, I think the fact that he wants to play here in Miami, that he wants to contend for a championship for whatever reason, he thought Miami could put him in that position to do so to play alongside Jimmy Butler to get paid a lot of money. I, all those things are you know incredible factors in his favor. And I think he's going to be able to, He's just going to come here and, and, you know, make an impact. I just can't, I can't overstate that enough. And I think the BAM's going to grow. We saw Pascal Siakam take a huge leap when he was playing with Lowry. I think BAM is going to be able to take an even bigger leap too uh, from the player that he has been over the last couple of seasons as a starter. And, and I think Lowry makes things different. He is the difference maker on this team moving forward. So to me, I, I understand why people can be a little down on Miami's offseason and not have high expectations for them. Certainly because they don't just they don't stand out the way that a Milwaukee or a Brooklyn team does in terms of overall top tier talent or depth or anything like that. But they're they're not that far behind, in my opinion. I, I think you look at Bam and Jimmy as clear all-stars and and Kyle as well. That's that's three all-star level players. I, I just not necessarily in their prime in Kyle's case, but still not that far away from it either. And if, if that's the case, that's a pretty strong roster, in my opinion. No, I think they had a, a, a strong offseason. I think clearly the the weakness of lacking someone in Lowry's position who can help open things up for Jimmy and Bam was was glaring in, in the last postseason. And at, he was, like you mentioned, he was the, the best player to, to get moved. And obviously, when you add that guy, it's good. I was honestly hoping he was going to go waste some years in New Orleans. New Orleans, whatever, yeah. So I wouldn't have to worry about him yeah. anymore. Um, but... No, I mean, I think, I just think the Heat, there's a lot of like little swings, you know, uh, that could change a lot for this team. You know, if Lowry and Jimmy are both healthy and, and still look great and don't seem like they're slowing down, if Ban gets better, if Oladipo gets back healthy and is able to contribute, then yeah, they could be really good. I, I think there's no question in that. I am just personally not in on, on all or most of those things happening. And I think, again, the the conference is just better overall and i think it's going to be harder for a team without you know durant Giannis level talent to pile up 50 wins without trying all that hard and i'm not saying they won't the heat won't try i think obviously you know more than me about spo and and playing guys and everything else but just you know easily pile up 50 wins i just don't think it's going to be uh, and I don't think it's going to be easy, I should say, for the non-Brooklyn and Milwaukee teams in the conferences. Yeah, they, they don't have an offensive world beater out there that you can yeah. just, you know, go to, to 30 possessions per game. Uh, that's just not going to happen, unfortunately. So, But I, I'm also curious to see what happens. I mean, if this is going to be a return to mid-90s basketball where we're going to see 91 to 85 scores at some point or something like that, because that's the, that's the expectation or hope, I think, for a lot of Heat fans is that we're going to just drag it through the mud, grit and grind style. I don't know if that's going to necessarily work but uh we'll see how it happens you know i went into this show thinking you know we were going to just eviscerate you here for the sake of my listeners and everything i just couldn't bring myself to do it you're just you're too good a guy ty so uh, i, I couldn't <laughs> and you make good points i understand why you would have concerns although i still remain i still re you know think that some of those takes were just a little bit over the top there
That's fair. That's totally fair. That I mean, the other thing is, hey, you you're know, playing to your crowd. You're listening. You're yeah. Bucks fans. I mean, what are you, yeah. you going to say? Yeah. Yeah, I, don't, I I thought it was like some people were like uh, offended. I wouldn't be as high on the Heat as Heat fans. Now, that's not how this works. I mean, if you <laughs> if you talked to, to mention Dante before, there's all sorts of things you could say. I'm sure about Bobby Portis and even still Chris and Drew. And I wouldn't expect you know that your listeners or you to be as high on on guys as the Bucks as I. I mean, that's that's the game, right? That's that's rooting for a team and 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 just having pretty random and i will like you mentioned on the the opener certainly not not incredibly informed takes i didn't didn't do 20 hours of heat reading and listening before the podcast wow looking around the league and and just letting loose some takes so yeah i think 43 probably ends up being a little low but we'll we'll see well how about this well how about this as a caveat if, if the two teams meet in the postseason right away is this the tiebreaker then if somehow Miami finds a way to win, or if Milwaukee finds a way, do you get bragging rights for, through perpetuity in this quote unquote rivalry over the last couple of seasons? Well, we'd only be even if you count the uh, the Brandon Jennings win in six years. So I guess it depends how far back you want to go. But I'll certainly I'll certainly take any bragging rights I can get if they win again after you know all all the chatter after that bubble series and. And it's still it's still going a little bit from that series, which is fair. I mean, that's you know that's how things go. You get I, you get embarrassed. You you're gonna take some shit for it. And the Bucks got embarrassed, and then the Heat got embarrassed. So, yeah, I, I was, will say I, I had no part in that. And when I made some comments, <laughs> Bucks Twitter, Bucks Twitter did not let me let me go easily into that good night. I'll tell you that much. They were they were pretty uh, they were pretty ruthless out there. And I am some group. Yeah, I did not realize that. But uh, well, also good... you've got to know we got hardened by first Sixers Twitter and then Raptors Twitter over the last few years. So I think really it's the same way. I think the process kind of broke Philly fans' brains, and they're just constantly <laughs> on edge. I yeah. think some of those some of those bouts uh, for the people who are really really online and on Twitter. Uh, I think there was an extra level of venom just because of everything that goes on 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 that website. That is. Oftentimes a hellscape. Are, are they still using the angry Bambi Abby? Um, the 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 Bambi avatar. I don't know if I they're think, still using that. I, I think it's mostly uh, Giannis doing the pointing and walking now. Oh, okay, all right. Well, that was my one contribution to the Bucks playoff race was the Bambi the Bambi avatar. So, uh, anyway, uh, always a pleasure having you on the show. Hopefully, we'll get a chance to talk uh, before the playoff matchup in the future. We'll see how it shakes out. But uh, this is your chance to please educate my listeners on where they can find you and your great work, and, and make sure to follow you. Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Ty Windish, T-I-W-I-N-D-I-S-C-H. Uh, we have a, a Substack and a YouTube, and of course the podcast feed. You can find it all at bit.ly slash findgspn. And I will say, you know, we read reviews on the pod, five-star reviews only on Apple Podcasts. So if you <laughs> want to tell me how wrong I am about the heat, at least somewhat respectfully, feel free to do so, and we will literally read it on the show, but you got to rate five stars so certainly uh i wouldn't expect much more heat discourse from us it is of course a milwaukee bucks show talking all things bucks but uh if you want to want to get me to read about how great jimmy is live on air feel free to do that uh they they match up they have an early regular season matchup don't they isn't that like the the season opener is it against no, milwaukee? we have we have brooklyn first but i think it is one of the first games 
All right. Well, maybe, so, maybe yeah, so we'll... that, that game, that game, you'll get some some heat. But generally, generally speaking, of course, a, a Bucks focus. Well, maybe we'll talk then, and we'll yeah. see how it plays out. That should be fun. Uh, anyway, yeah. Again, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show, and to all of you for taking the time to listen to the show. You can always make sure uh, to reach out to me via email at lockedonheat at gmail You can always reach me via Twitter at hashtag AskLOHeat. Uh, thanks again to all of our sponsors for today's episode, and thanks for taking the time to listen. This is David Ramil signing off for now.